Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TTK Potters? I'm your host, Scott Guasco. This is episode 189 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Today we're breaking down sophomore running backs drafted in 2019, breaking out in 2020, joined always by Lucas Case. Lucas, how are we feeling? Well, last year we said these running backs was the greatest rookie class of all time. And yet again, we're back to this class, or now the new rookie class, and they're the greatest of all time. So we're we're just going to keep breaking this down every year with the same concept. Like this is the sophomores, they don't matter anymore. Now the rookies are the new best thing. So I'm ready to get going. And two years ago, it was Saquon and Darius Geis and yeah. others. and yep. The actual best running right. back class of all time. So, <laughs> Fair enough. Let's jump right into it. If you uh, tuned into Tuesday's episode already when we did the sophomore quarterbacks, you have kind of a, a, a grip on how we're going to do this. Basically, what we're going to do is we're going to break down fantasy-relevant as of now sophomore running backs. So we're going to cover in some capacity today Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Devin Singletary, Darrell Henderson, Tony Pollard, Ale- uh, Amber Amber Alexander. Well, it's hmm. my partner's name. Alexander Madison, Justice Hill, Damian Harris, Benny Snell, Bryce Love, Darwin Thompson, Michael Armstead, Mike Weber. Of course, the back half of that probably don't have any relevance anytime soon. However, we are going to talk about their situation a little bit. The front half, we're definitely going to break down individually. So what we're going to do is break down each player, their 2019 fantasy finish, their fantasy points per game, their statistical breakdown, and where I have them ranked currently. And then at the end of the episode, Lucas will break them down in dynasty formats, as we know is his forte. Without any further ado, let's jump into the running backs, man. First on the board here, these are mentioned in where they finished chronologically in 2019. So not necessarily our preferences per se. It's more in a, in a uh, chronological order of 2019 finish. First on the board here, Miles Sanders, Philadelphia Eagles, played all 16 games. He finished as the running back 13. Of course, this is PPR. We do full PPR here on the uh, podcast for the most part when we're doing our breakdowns. 2019, RB13, and he had 14 fantasy points per game. Miles Sanders for the Eagles, is he going to be a bell cow that we all want him to be, or do you think Doug Peterson's still going to have that uh, RBBC that he's had over his career? All right, so I do have a, I do have a strong stance on this, but um, if you haven't listened to the quarterback one, I'm just going to kind of intro the hit rate charts again, just in case someone missed on that. So uh, when I'm referencing hit rate charts, basically what that means, if you're not familiar with it, is the hit rate equals their fantasy finish. Um, in this case, year two, we have them all the way up to year three, which we'll get to in May. But right now we got running back hit rates in year two. So that means running back, the percentage of the sample, which I'll read before I break it down, hitting RB1, so top 12, top 24, top 36, top 48. So for Miles Sanders, obviously he was a second round pick last year. So he falls into the second round pick category um, or the sample, which would be there's a total of 26 of them coming year two. Out of those 26, 15% of them, hit the top 12 mark that next year, and 31% of them hit that top 24 mark next year. Miles Sanders is a prospect that can easily do that. He has all the traits to be RB1+. plus. I think he, he easily is one of the most um, dynamic backs in the league right now, and I think he could, if he was used right, could be Joe Mixon, I think, is probably my next... Like my, probably if I had a like, comparison, the, the production and the athleticism. But, like you led into it, Will he be the workhorse? I 
I play trends. I play I play stats. So my answer is no. Doug Peterson, um, been there since 2016, has always used the committee. Last year was the first year that he had a running back, Miles Sanders, go greater than 200 opportunities, which is targets and rushing att- plus rushing attempts. And I put like, and then so when you kind of think of that, you think was that due to Jordan Howard's injury, or did he really win over the backfield? I'm going to play the side of the injury because obviously Jordan Howard got hurt. And when Jordan Howard was healthy, he was an RB2 in fantasy. I mean, I'm sure you guys remember the, the the Packers game when he had three rushing touchdowns. He was getting catches for some reason. Um, so I took splits of when Sanders played with um, Jordan Howard. In the games he had Jordan Howard playing and healthy, if you pace that out to 16, his opportunities were 174 total opportunities. Sanders had a ratio of points to opportunities as point. Nine zero. So then you multiply that, 156.6 points if extrapolated, if Howard played the whole year. That was RB29 last year. So you can't necessarily, I'm always saying this, you can't necessarily just like say, oh, he only would have been the RB29, but you have to look at that as, like I said, he was the first running back to go over 200 opportunities, which I don't know what his ADP is, but I know in Dynasty uh, Dynasty mock drafts, he's going in round two. No running back in an offense that's not going to get over 200 opportunities is ever going to go round two in Dynasty. Um, so overall, Miles Sanders, like I said, great prospect. He's extremely draft dependent. We'll see for sure how they feel about him because obviously Howard's not there. They still have Boston Scott who got some work towards the end of the year. I said if no running back drafted, I put low-end RB2 because I still don't believe that they're going to just give him all the work. But if there's a running back drafted, I have to drop him into the running back three category just because he's not going to see – RB2 numbers, which, I mean, that's, that's, it seemed a little bold, but like, if you're just playing, um, just projections based, that's where you have to put them. Miles Sanders right now going in the back of the third round. He's at the 11th pick of the third round, uh, as RB15, ECR has him at 14 and, uh, I have him at 16. So it's all pretty close there. I agree with you, man. This is going to be a tough one. Um, Miles Sanders, obviously, quite talented he he was uh you know the backup and then the new Saquon Barkley for Penn State uh did just fine there last year 179 rushes 818 yards three rushing touchdowns 50 receptions 509 yards and three touchdowns through the air as well so uh well over you know 1300 total yards and um six touchdowns easily the best overall production uh in the pass game from all of these sophomore running backs that we're going to talk about i agree with you man though it's going to be difficult for him to live up i think to the adp right now um now if you get 200 opportunities from miles sanders he should be an rb1 easy uh but i think you're right it it just won't happen with the way that uh, doug peterson has always uh run things over there so again in redraft i've got him at 16 in dynasty i've got him at 16 as well of course, once the draft comes and goes, if they do not pick up another high-profile running back and just kind of grab a, a third-day guy um, who's just there to spell him a little bit, that's not going to affect them. If they grab somehow, you know, um, maybe a top three-round running back who looks at might get, you know, to, to split carries or whatever, that might hurt him a little bit. So I could see me raising him in Dynasty quite a bit, but right now in redraft, I just – I'm not going to be drafting him in the first three rounds personally, um, the way I've been setting up my teams and mocks. So love Miles Sanders, but again, just the the history of things um, is not good. I do like the fact that they shipped out Jordan Howard to Miami. 
Um, but we're just going to have to see it actually happen uh, before I fully buy in. So Miles Sanders, once again, uh, redraft 16, dynasty uh, 16 for me. Let's move on to Josh Jacobs, to the Raiders. Um, great, uh, great story. I kind of fell in love with him more so about his upbringing uh, than him as a talent coming out of Alabama, to be honest, because I unfortunately have been a little jaded about some running backs out of Alabama, uh, i.e. Eddie Lacy, Trent Richardson, uh, the list goes on there, T.Y. or T.Y. Um, T.J. Yeldon, there's a few others. Obviously, Mark Ingram and Derrick Henry. Kenyon Drake have been great, but it's kind of hit or miss out of Alabama. Uh, Josh Jacobs finished as the running back 19 last year, 14.7 fantasy points per game, so actually almost a fantasy point per game better than Miles Sanders actually played just 13 games last year. Josh Jacobs looks to be maybe a rare version of a bell cow uh, with the Raiders moving to Vegas. Yeah. So I, he falls into the sample size of round one. Cause he was a uh, back end one pick one pick 24 in the first round last year. So he falls in that round one sample size of 15 running backs. And in that sample, 43% of them hit the top 12 and 57% of them hit the top 24. So that's really good for him. 43% is, I mean, I'm just looking at it. Besides the top five running backs, that's about 10 to 15% higher than any other running backs listed on that sample. So no one's going to argue with the production he's going to see. No one's going to argue with his talent. We saw it last year, even though everyone doubted it last year. The thing that just scares me the most of placing him in that top, like, for sure RB1 this is lack in the receiving game. Uh, he was RB16 in points per game, RB13 in red zone touches, RB16 in total opportunities, played in only 13 games, so obviously those would be higher. But he was 44th in targets. That's where it kind of draws me away from him. Um, because I, kinda, I I put in high, high-end RB2, but to me that's like the 12-13 turn in terms of RBs. I haven't actually made my rankings yet, but I think – now that I sort of look at that, the hit rate's there. So I'm not worried about him falling off for whatever reason. They're going to give him the production. I just think I'm going to favor maybe an Eckler or maybe an Aaron Jones just because they're receiving work more so than Josh Jacobs. But he's still in dynasty in line to be – I mean, if I, look at the, I look at year three the next year. Round one hit rate in the top 12 bumps up to 50%. So it gets even better from then on out. So – I mean, great dynasty asset. I just think he's a little capped in terms of redraft. I agree. So of these uh, top sophomore running backs that we're going to cover here, so Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Devin Singletary. Uh, Josh Jacobs had the uh, the least amount of uh, receptions and overall receiving yards and no touchdowns in the passing game there. Of course, they have both Jalen Richard and um, – uh, DeAndre Washington out there in uh, Vegas to spell for the third down back role there. Uh, Josh Jacobs, 242 carries, 1,150 yards, uh, the most by a good 300 yards of these sophomore running backs, seven rushing touchdowns, which is great. But again, just 20 receptions, 166 receiving yards, and no touchdowns. That's over 13 games. So if you give him three more games, you know, he might be up there closer to maybe 30 receptions, 200 receiving yards, a touchdown maybe and maybe closer to, uh, I don't know, 1,300 rushing yards. So I like Josh Jacobs a lot. Um, I've got him at redraft 13 right now, and I want to talk to you about that for a second. I've got him in Dynasty at 8, though. So in Dynasty, I've got him at RB8. In redraft this season so far, I've got him at RB13. Let's talk through this just really quick, and we'll move on to David Montgomery. So I think more or less the consensus right now, if you will, let's say the top seven 
seven, eight for sure. CMC, Saquon, Dalvin Cook, Zeke, Alvin uh, Kamara, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, and let's throw Derrick Henry in there uh, probably in, in the top eight for most people. Um, after that, we ha- I have Kenyon Drake, Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, Todd Gurley, and then Josh Jacobs. Of Drake, Jones, Eckler, Gurley, who are you taking behind Josh Jacobs, if any? Um, hmm. Or do you agree with him at 13 there? I agree with him at 13. I think the only one would be Gurley if I'm not trying to play the injury game. But we've said it all the time. You can't project injuries. Don't well, take that into account while drafting, but don't like, don't move your rankings for injuries, I guess is the way to say it. Um, this, your, your projections will move, but not your ranking. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I think Gurley might be the only one. But I'm assuming Gurley's going later in the draft, so I'd honestly rather just wait for Gurley and maybe go running back, receiver, 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 whatever the case may be. So I think I think it's pretty good there. Um, who do you have below Jacobs? Who's like directly below him? Yeah, so again, my first set of rankings have come out, so a lot of these are fine-tuning. But I've got Jacobs at 13. After that, in order, I have Leonard Fournette, Chris Carson, Miles Sanders, Marlon Mack, Le'Veon Bell, Mark Ingram, and Devin Singletary to round out 20. I think I, I don't I haven't looked at it too much or even tried to make projections yet, but I think I'd honestly have maybe Leonard Fournette ahead of him unless they add a receiver. I don't know. I'm not like I'm big on Le'Veon Bell, but like the production is not dropping off. Maybe there that'd be pushing it. Maybe if I see the touchdowns going up, but I think I think Jacob slides into right around like the Le'Veon Bell Leonard Fournette territory for me. Okay, quick note, uh, just because you bring up Todd Gurley, I know there's a, a lot of concern. We'll break down everybody else as we get into rankings here coming through the summer something i want to mention really quick though todd Gurley had 12 carries inside the five yard line in 2019 the falcons alone had 11 as a team so that might go down however however devonta freeman has three straight years of being top five in carries inside the five yard line for the falcons so todd Gurley gets those same carries for the falcons he's going to continue to produce and we know with todd Gurley, he can get you know, 30 less touches, but if he gets the same amount of uh, touchdowns, he'll be just fine. And I think that his arthritis situation was a little overblown last year. Um, obviously, it's not a plus, but I think that was a little overblown. So, uh, Josh Jacobs, okay, I've got him at 13 again for redraft, eight in Dynasty. I know we feel better about that coming into the second year. And you mentioned the hit rate for third year running backs which we're going to talk about in May more in depth, but 50% uh, is, is pretty significant there. So mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Let's move on to uh, a hometown guy for you, David Montgomery, uh, Iowa state alum uh, for the bears here finished RB 25 for the bears last year and 10.2 fantasy points per game. Not super impressive. Technically did play all 16 games. What was quite frustrating. I actually took him in the second round of a startup dynasty league last year, which obviously bit me. I like it moving forward because uh, I have him on my team, but as a second round pick last year that didn't really produce as a rookie was kind of rough. Um, David Montgomery, uh, give me some, some, some hometown love. And then the elephant in the room is just going to be, are the bears going to actually turn the corner with Nick Foles and does uh, Tariq Cohen hurt Montgomery in the second year? So I think I haven't done any, so I have all like my base data on my database is like set right now. I haven't actually gone in yet and done any like team adjusted, like his 10.2 points per game. How good was that for the bears? Not just in terms of like general fantasy. So I still need to work with that. 
But just like an overall like first glance, 10.2 points per game on how bad that offense was was still not bad for the lack of receiving work he did have. I don't know if that's going to go up or down. We'll see. Um, so he falls into the category of third round year two running backs, which there is 22 of them in total. Out of that list, um, 18% hit top 12, which is it's pretty promising for a third rounder. And then 32% hit top 24. And that, that one I think is pretty significant to me uh, for that. So I'm not saying he's locked in top 24 running back, but he's 19th in opportunities per game, higher than 24. 21st in red zone touches overall, higher than 24. And to me, he's just a safer Miles Sanders as of now. But even if they add, um, even if the Eagles add a running back, he's still much safer. And to me, I think that the Bears offense is going to improve. I think the missing piece, which is weird to say it, was a tight end and quarterback competition. I'm not saying who's going to be the quarterback. I don't care who the quarterback is. I think Trubisky got too safe too fast kind of like baker mayfield did and what they think they can actually do because there was no competition high draft pick and i don't want to call it a fluky year when they went to the playoffs but a very good year when it was not expected so i think going forward i think that tight end is going to open up more for dave montgomery because it did um with jordan howard prior when they had trey burton and treat cohen it also helped treat cohen but overall, if the whole offense boosts up, David Montgomery has to boost up with him because he's a starting running back. So I think going forward, I think he's still a good investment in redraft and in dynasty. Obviously, I'm going to rank him lower than Sanders, but I would see the case come draft day for me where I'm waiting around maybe two for David Montgomery over Miles Sanders. I'm with you. I like David Montgomery quite a bit, actually. I think he just needs that opportunity. I think Foles, and I mean, I've been very vocal on the podcast that I'm not sure Foles is even an upgrade on Mitch Trubisky. And I know that I won't say that you like Mitch Trubisky and that you're batting for him, but I know that you've been kind of quick to defend him more or less during some mocks when you and I have been working in stuff uh, just because maybe we haven't seen the real Mitch Trubisky yet. Anyway, um, David Montgomery, uh, 242 carries, 889 rushing yards, six touchdowns through the air though as you mentioned um pretty subpar 25 receptions 185 yards and just one touchdown for david montgomery so if those passing and he played 16 games as well as miles sanders so uh more rushing production less passing uh reception production i do have um david montgomery at 22 in redraft 18 in dynasty so right behind miles sanders and dynasty uh ways behind in redraft um I think that there's definitely promise and I would agree with you that in dynasty specifically, I think you're going to find value from him and in redraft, especially if you go, I don't think zero RB is a thing anymore because we did that for one year and it was greater. It backfired and then everyone overcorrected and now the running backs are like six in a row off the board in yeah. a lot of drafts. So if you go heavy wide receiver for some reason, um, then I think, you know, getting David Montgomery in like the fourth or fifth round as your RB one or two, um, I think you could do worse, honestly. Uh, and you would have some stud. If you went two receivers and like Kittle or Kelsey somehow, and then went a running back and then he was your second running back, I think you could be just fine there. So um, I would be all right with it. That that 10 fantasy points per game is not super impressive. But again, I think with, another year of Nagy figuring out what they can do in this offense, making the move to Nick Foles, who I think will make defenses at least more honest. 
Um, if you look at David Montgomery, man, is, I know you're an analytics, it, analytics dude almost entirely, and I am as well, but I'm also like an eye test guy, as, uh, you know, too. When I watch, and I know you watched him at Iowa State, when I see David Montgomery play, I personally am stoked on him when he's got some space. Uh, I think he's a good running back when he's able to get moving. Um, so if they can get some more opportunity with him, I think that, that uh, he could be just fine. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just – like I said, I'm just batting on that Bears team, not necessarily coming back to where their offense was, but sort of just taking taking a look back to what worked then and fixing it, because I do think Nagy's a smart coach. I think he'll be able to spot those holes that was there last year and hopefully fix it. Um, and maybe maybe Demont hits that 18% uh, percent of the top 12 running back this year. Yep, I like it a lot. He just needs to get uh... – you know, get that opportunity to share up. I mean, he's right at 300 touches, um, whereas Miles Sanders, uh, like as we mentioned, was just about 220, 230. So if he can get that opportunity, I think he could be just fine there with 300 touches and, and even more so in year two. All right, let's move on to Devin Singletary of the Bills, who is kind of our last um, performed as a rookie for real and we're looking forward to uh, in year two. And then the rest of these guys are going to be kind of handcuffed conversations or deep uh, deep options here. So Devin Singletary of the Bills finished RB 29, 12.3 fantasy points per game. And I think the Bills in general are going to take a, a, a huge step offensively and as a team in general forward. Uh, Josh Allen, of course, coming into his third year, um, them getting Stephon Diggs. Frank Gore is still there as of now, and we know that he's kind of that third and one or goal line guy for now. But Devin Singletary showed a lot. Uh, in just 12 games last year. I'm really excited about him overall. Um, right now I've got I've got him kind of my my uh, middle to back end RB2s as well. Um, do you think that's uh, that's reasonable for him or am I maybe even too low on him? I, so I'm, as of now, kind of have him in the same spot as David Montgomery. Um, same round taken, so he has the same hit rate for third rounders in year two, 18% top 12, 32% top 24. The path to upside is much clearer with him until they maybe draft a running back in the NFL draft. Because if they draft a running back, I don't want to say it's game over for him. But he's too small to try and like fight, but not fight back. But like if they draft a running back, they do it for a reason. Singletary will not be getting 15 to 20 carries. It's like it's kind of like what happened with Philip Lindsay this offseason. If they have the opportunity to go get a really good running back that for cheap that will that can take more carries than maybe a smaller elusive back they're going to do it um so we'll see to me if they draft a running back i think i'd have probably have david montgomery over him if they don't vice versa but i think that the upside definitely is there the offense is i mean we've preached on it improving the defense is still really good the division just got easier so maybe that brings in more motivation um so i just think Tough to gauge right now, but I think everyone kind of agrees the upside's there, but we'll see uh, come April 23rd. Right now I've got him uh, redraft RB20, Dynasty RB13. So I've got him uh, quite a bit ahead of uh, David Montgomery in Dynasty, especially last year. Devin Singletary, 151 carries, 775 yards, and just two touchdowns. But again, Frank Gore was kind of a, a thorn in his side there. Also, um, Josh Allen. <laughs> is essentially a running back inside the red zone as well. So that is something that I think to keep uh, keep the upside 
tainted a little bit for Devin Singletary just because I think Josh Allen's going to get six rushing touchdowns a year, uh, which could fade that a little bit. Receiving 29 receptions, 194 yards, and just two touchdowns as well. So just two total touchdowns for Devin Singletary, I think, kept him in that, you know, RB29, as I mentioned. If he gets even two more, he's an RB2 already, and I think he's going to get more opportunity uh, with, obviously, them maybe, uh, you know, hopefully not drafting another running back. But before um, Melvin Gordon went to the Broncos, there was a quick mention that he maybe had a conversation with the Bills quick too. So I think that you're, you're spot on there that they'll probably bring somebody in. It's just a matter of, are they bringing someone in to spell Devin Singletary legitimately, or are they just bringing in a more reliable, explosive version of Frank Gore just in case for depth? So we'll see what happens in the draft. But as of right now, I'm super bullish on Devin Singletary. It's just like, I mean, it's just an overall smart football move to bring in like an AJ Dillon or a Zach Moss because, mm-hmm. I mean, anybody can answer. They'd rather have Devin Singletary for 10 years at peak performance or two, and then he's done because he's a small back taking 300 carries, 300 opportunities a game or a game a year. So it's just a smart move, and they've only made smart moves so far this offseason, so I don't want to put it past him to draft a Zach Moss, A.J. Dillon, even a Dobbins if he falls to round two. Um, so, yeah. I think I think A.J. AJ Dillon's going to be fun. I know there's that Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry comparison kind of a thing, but we saw when those guys were able to get loose in the right situation. They were they were pretty mean in fantasy for, for, for a while, so I like that comparison. And I think that'd be great to have a bigger bull back uh, that has more fresh legs than, than Frank Gore. So we'll see what happens there. All right, this next uh, – segment if you will is kind of a different approach here um i'm gonna let you i'm gonna turn you loose and break all this down on hit rates but i'm gonna preface it with we're talking about Darrell henderson of the rams tony pollard of the uh, cowboys alexander madison of the vikings and justice hill of the ravens and then we'll get into kind of a, a third class guys those four in particularly Darrell Henderson, it looks most in line for a starting role with Todd Gurley moving on to Atlanta, but Malcolm Brown is still there, and we just don't know if he's going to be the Rams starter yet. These four guys, I think, are the top-tier handcuffs, along with Latavius Murray, who's obviously too old for this conversation. But those kind of guys are the top-tier sophomore handcuffs in the league right now. If their top guy goes down, um, they become an RB1 automatically. They have the talent, the scheme, and the opportunity if they were to get it. But until that happens, it's, it, they're not going to get their chance. So let's turn it less about their statistics so far and what they did as a rookie. Let's throw all that out the window. Why don't you take it away with uh, their value as far as draft goes and then their hit rates um, for each one of these players? And then, again, I'm going to have you rank them at the end of the episode, but let's talk dynasty maybe for these guys as far as the opportunity with who is in front of them so again Darrell Henderson uh, Tony Pollard Alexander Madison and Justice Hill yeah for sure so obviously Darrell Henderson and uh, Alexander Madison went in the third round so they have the same hit rates as DeMont David Singletary at the 18% top 12 32% top 24 obviously as of now those numbers look um non-existent like you can't reach him maybe Henderson but the Rams are going to add someone they're not going to roll into the season with Malcolm Brown and some running back that barely touched the ball last year the thing that is going for these guys is third round draft capital I mean is is good as you see Dave Montgomery starting running back year one with a third round capital kind of the same thing for Devin Singletary I guess he was kind of right away the starter in a sense everyone knew Gore was gonna eventually give it away 
to me, if I had to rank these right now, um, I'm just going to do it now. Then I'll kind of break down the other ones. It'd be, hmm, I don't want to say in this situation, because overall, I still have Tony Pollard as my number one. Zeke has an out in his contract next year. We all know the whole Cowboys cap situation. I see a clearer path to that than Henderson actually being the workhorse for the Rams. That's just personal preference. I think the easy one would be Henderson, but I think Pollard's a very solid one for me. Then it'd be Henderson, Madison, Justice Hill. Um, So I'll break down the fourth round hit rate too, just so we can compare. So Pollard and Justice Hill were fourth round picks. These two were more so drafted to be uh, handcuffs, backups, you could say, because at the time the Rams had the girly injury issue. And same with the Vikings, they had Dalvin Cook sort of up in the air knee issue. So they kind of drafted them knowing that they could be maybe a one or two year rental, lead to something more, whatever the case may be. So I think for the fourth rounders, I guess I'll break that down. Year two, fourth round running backs, there's 38 of them total. So it's, it's a pretty big sample size. Um, top 12 finish percentage, 5%, 8% for top 24, and then 8% for top 36, and 21% for top 48. So it's very not promising. But overall, fourth rounds where you see a lot of those handcuffs, maybe one or two guys will get hurt, open up the door for a team to take over. Kind of like um, Kamara. No one got hurt for Alvin Kamara, but it was kind of like a similar scenario. So overall, I think when it comes to dynasty drafts, I love taking Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison round 12, even later sometimes, because people just reach on a guy like Henderson when they all have the same path to touches. No, none of these guys are going to have standalone value at all. Like, I mean, they can't, they have their value in terms of the handcuff, but they don't have their value in terms of the fantasy points when you go to draft them. But for me personally, when I play redraft and dynasty, I like to have a lot of handcuffs on my team. I see more value in, say, Tony Pollard than, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a late round running back people were taking last year. Um, I don't know. Maybe like a Duke Johnson or something, because overall the Texans hate Duke Johnson. And we saw that last year, so I'd rather have Tony Pollard if Zeke goes down than RB1 right off the rip. So kind of breaking down handcuffs, but it's sort of tough to fully break them down because we're ahead of the draft right now. So I have a, I have a couple of different uh, thoughts on rankings right now. These guys are tough to rank, right? Because again, if in the off season or in week two or something happens to one of these running backs ahead of them, these guys are going to be RB ones. I would just replace, I feel justice Hill to become Mark Ingram. I'm not hundred percent sure right away, but if Darrell Henderson was definitely the starter for the Rams, Tony Pollard took over for Zeke or Madison took over for Cook, I would feel comfortable with Pollard and Madison pretty much taking the ranking more or less, probably drop them just a couple because you don't know, but they'd still be top 10 running backs for me. Um, So currently in redraft, I have them ranked out as this is, this is redraft this season. I've got Darrell Henderson, of course, just potentially becoming the guy. Alexander Madison next because if Cook goes down, which has a better chance to happen, unfortunately, with the injury history, he would spike immediately, then Tony Pollard, then Justice Hill. In Dynasty, I've got Darrell Henderson as well, just expecting him to be that guy. But if he isn't, he would fall dramatically. After that, I've got Madison ahead just a little bit, again, with the injury concern. But I've actually got um, Madison and Pollard back-to-back, and then I've got Justice Hill again. So these guys are very close for me, and um, I think that their opportunity is – certainly uh possible um uh, for a number of reasons and with pollard and 
Alexander Madison specifically, we saw these guys come in in a couple of games last year where the Vikings or the Cowboys were blowing somebody out or getting blown out, and they had Zeke and Cook come out for the last three drives of the fourth quarter or something, and both of those guys shined quite a bit. Um, and Tony Pollard kind of looks like Zeke, and Alexander Madison kind of looks like Dalvin Cook, yeah. and they run similarly. So it's a great tandem for both of those guys. So they're definitely my favorite. Darrell Henderson is just kind of this weird, like, we don't know if he's a starter yet. And Justice Hill still has to compete with Gus Edwards, I think. Um, so we're not 100% sure about him either. So these handcuffs, I agree with you. And if I don't have Zeke or Dalvin Cook on my team, then I want one of these guys like the 12th round just in case. If I have Zeke or Dalvin Cook on my team, though, I'm telling you right now, dude, I'm probably drafting Pollard and Madison specifically like eighth round. <laughs> I want to probably be ahead of the curve by like a round or two to make sure I get those guys. I would rather draft Tony Pollard and have Zeke stay healthy all season and have Pollard rot on my bench than not have him at all and have Zeke get hurt and need to have that sub and then have to like trade for him probably just to have that upside. I mean, like, if you were to attach, like, a number value in terms of, like, not actual fantasy production, but, like, hypothetical or, like, make-believe fantasy value, Pollard and them would have a lot more value than, like, Royce Freeman, Matt Breida, like, just because it's just the situations. I think you have to kind of, like, you have to think about it like that to where people are like, I'm not taking a backup running back in the eighth round, but, like, you have to think about it as in what could happen because that is what fantasy is. Like we say all the time, you get lucky in the fantasy playoffs winning it. Like you can build a mega team, lose one week, you're out. But if you kind of attach these hypothetical upside situations to maybe your 8th, ninth, 10th round picks, and then maybe you'll get a safer guy in the 10th to counteract it or whatever. Like I think overall you can build a strong draft, which I'm sure will break down a ton. And so maybe we'll go like round by round breaking down the highest hypothetical fantasy value in each round or something like that. Just to give an idea of where I'm at, I've got uh, Alexander Madison at 38 in PPR right now in redraft, and I've got Tony Pollard at 48. So I'll let you know all the like the 10 players in between those guys. Let me know if there's anybody that you would take ahead of Alexander Madison with the Cook uh, injury risk, of course, or if you would move Pollard ahead of. So in between Madison and Pollard, 10 players. Tariq Cohen, Sony Michelle, Duke Johnson, Jamal Williams, Adrian Peterson, Latavius Murray, Boston Scott, Malcolm Brown, Jalen Samuels, in between. Um, the only one looking at this immediately, Latavius Murray could bump for me because if Alvin Kamara comes, goes down, Latavius Murray proved last year he's a top five running back. So he could definitely boost for me, but he's not going to play much if Kamara's healthy. Other than that, any of those guys, Cohen, Michelle, Duke Johnson, Jamal Williams, AP, Latavius Murray, Boston Scott, Malcolm Brown, Jalen Samuels. Uh, do you think you would put any of those guys ahead of Alexander Madison? Uh, Sony Michelle, kind of based off, um, well, obviously the hit rates, which I'm not going to like breaking down now because that's for a later episode, but they're very promising for him. The change of quarterback might be a change of scenery. Uh, I don't I don't know if the necessarily the top 12 upsides there with Sony, but I think immediate value, that's the one c case where I would go him to play it safe over a, a backup uh, like Pollard. Maybe Cohen, if the Bears do take that step in the right direction, on um, that we saw what happened. He was RB nine in PPR. Obviously, it's not could happen again, but it's not going to happen again. So I think for sure Sony would be the only one I would take over him. Maybe Jalen Samuels, depending on if they don't draft a running back, just because we kind of saw how that worked out last year. Because hate to break it to you guys, James Conner is going to get hurt if he's a starting running back at least one or two weeks. So, which is a bummer. He's another guy I'm super rooting for, just as yeah. a human. 
Um, yeah, I'm with you. The thing about Sony Michelle, man, they have five, six running backs as well. So that that yeah. that worries me. And and for some reason, like he was a he was a big time pass catcher at Georgia uh, mm-hmm. when Nick Chubb was running up the middle, and he caught the ball just fine. But they don't really use him for that because they have James White and uh, Rex Burkhead, obviously. Um, yeah, I just don't know what's going on with the Patriots, but that Sony Michelle scares me a little bit. The handcuffs are important. What's your quick theory on drafting handcuffs in general with uh, with that player or without them? Do you play defense? Say say I draft Dalvin Cook or Zeke. Are you going to draft you know Pollard or Madison to keep them away from me late? Or if you draft uh, let's say Cook or Zeke, are you reaching to to get those guys? A quick uh, quick theory on handcuff drafting specifically. Maybe it's a different approach for redraft in Dynasty. Yeah, I mean I don't want it to sound like I'm like. I don't want to say cocky, but like I'm pretty confident in my early round selections. I mean, everyone should be because if you're not, then why are you picking those guys at those spots? So you should be confident in your early round selections enough to where, like we said all the time, the hypothetical fantasy value should be worth more in that spot than, I don't know. I'm just going to say like Duke Johnson. I'm going to say Deontay Johnson this year will be right around there. Um, Sterling Shepard. Like, not that those guys are bad fantasy assets, but you should have drafted good enough pending injuries to where you're not going to need a Sterling Shepard or Deontay Johnson. And you can ride with that huge high upside. Cause here's the deal. Like last year, for example, Tony Pollard, Zeke was holding out. I drafted him, my home, my friends league. I traded him. And I think it was like Sony Michelle. Cause there was when the hype for Sony was building up. Everyone was like, if he stays healthy, if he's the workhorse. And we were sitting here like, there's four of the running backs on the team, like whatever the case may be. But we're not a different conversation. I traded those two for Joe Mixon. Obviously, that didn't – obviously, it worked out, but it didn't work out in a sense. But, like, come on. I it was the right move. It yeah. It was the right move, though. So, like, you have to look at it that way where you can – I mean, if you can flip and throw them in a package, like, as much as we say to hold on to them, like, do it. Because immediate value, you have, to get the, you have to get to the playoffs to compete in the playoffs in fantasy. So, there's just more value there for me. And now that I think about it, we should actually do, like, a hypothetical fantasy value episode of some sort. Like, go, like, round by round and – Something like that. Love it. We're going to get into a lot of those values, uh, uh, early ADP checks, uh, ECR checks. We're also going to be dropping our rankings once the NFL draft happens um, at the end of this month here. So a lot of those things will be coming up here in May and June, definitely gearing up to um, up to draft season. So uh, once again, Darrell Henderson, um, uh, Rams starter maybe, um, but potentially in a, in a committee there with uh, – Malcolm Brown or some other running back, Tony Pollard back up to Zeke, Alexander Madison back up to Dalvin Cook, and Justice Hill, um, the backup uh, with Gus Edwards to Mark Ingram in Baltimore. All right, man, we're, we're um, not going to spend a lot of time on this third wave of sophomore running backs. I just wanted to mention a handful of other names that, um, again, with injury or opportunity or if these guys get a chance, I want to mention some of these other names who had pretty – pretty high profiles coming out of college just two years ago. And I want to make sure we don't forget about them per se. Uh, and I'll just run down the list really quick. Feel free to kind of nitpick anybody you want to talk about. And we'll just kind of um, throw darts at the board at this point. So Damian Harris of the Patriots, Benny Snell, of the Steelers, Bryce Love on the Redskins, Darwin Thompson of the Chiefs, Raquel Armstead of the Jaguars and Mike Weber third tier for the Cowboys. Um, for me, Really quick, uh, Damian Harris is the immediate option who was supposed to kind of spell Sonny Michelle last year, but he got hurt preseason. That never ended up happening. That's another reason I 
don't like Sonny Michelle this year because if Damian Harris comes in healthy and is a better version of Sonny Michelle, Bill Belichick is immediately going to change the course on him, and Damian Harris is free right now. Bryce loves another option to come through. Darwin Thompson didn't really do much. The rest of these guys, I think, are kind of at the mercy of the court. Yeah, my so the way I look at these is um, where yet again it's upside, but this is more like hidden digging in upside of where they could find that value. So to me, it's Damian Harris and Raquel Armstead. Uh, Fournette could easily be traded next year. His contract's up, and the I'm pretty sure they drafted Armstead in the third round, if I remember. I don't have it written down, but we saw last year they used him when Fournette was getting a hundred targets. Like he was out there on the field, and there were two RB sets, whatever the case may be. Um, I don't know if I'm going to draft him and redraft, but I have him in a lot of dynasty teams. Same with Damian Harris, just stashed on my taxi squad. Um, that's ultimately the type of player you want on your taxi squad. I hate when people put receivers on their taxi squad because those are like the like undrafted free agent guys that are never going to do anything. So I think dynasty tip, just stash a bunch of running backs and look at the contracts, kind of try to match it up because those have the immediate value. So Reckler Armstead, he's a very transferable skill set to Leonard Fournette, I think. And just in terms of the way they like to use him. But Damian Harris, I was all over him last year in redraft too. Not like I was drafting him over Sonny Michelle, but like I was taking him later just because I, I played the theory with take the cheapest Patriots running back because more often than not that works. And that did yeah. not work last year. So I'll probably do it again this year with, I don't know, Rex Burkhead maybe or James White might be it. Who knows what the case may be. Another Alabama running back. Hey, uh, for folks who aren't aware um, – please explain the term and the idea behind taxi squad. Yeah. So taxi squad. So, okay. So when you do a dynasty league, this is, this is non, okay. They do you have these in your startup, but so your startup, you draft uh, X amount of rounds, whatever you guys set as a league taxi squad. Um, there's different ways you can set it up, but the most common way is you stash uh, most time. It's four players first and second year players. So rookies, sophomores, people that we're talking about right now, Obviously, the lower-end guys is who you'd have on there. You can stash them on your taxi squad. Basically, what that means is does not take up a roster spot, and they just sit there on your, your imaginary AAA baseball team, basically, is the way to think about it. When you put them on your taxi squad, they claim a spot, obviously. But when you go to take them off your taxi squad, they cannot go back on. So, in a way, it's um, you're waiting for – trying to think of a, a guy. Maybe, maybe you had a – uh, Giants receiver Darius Slayton on your taxi squad he was a very common one last year because he was like a fifth sixth round pick and then you come into real like you see with the production and maybe you had Preston Williams get hurt he was another common one maybe you had AJ Green get hurt you'd pull up tri Darius Slayton like from the AAA or the G League or whatever and you slide him into your roster and then you can go in and pick up uh, like a Reichwell Armstead a Mike Webb or whatever the case may be and slide him back into your taxi squad so it's just like a feeder league in a sense, and then if you play Debbie, which a whole different category, you kind of work in Debbie with your taxi squad. Um, it just kind of adds another element to the team building. And the, the highest traffic time is free or uh, preseason. Everyone loves to watch the game, see like one guy catch a ball, and then they just all go pick him up or something. It's funny because it happens in like I'm in like a bunch of dynasty leagues. So like you'll, I'm trying to think. Brian Hill last year was a common one, or. Uh, the Giants quarterback like Kurt Benkert or something like that. Like I watched because he played the Broncos that opening night. So obviously it's football first time in like six months. Watch the one game. Everyone next day I wake up Brian Hill, Brian Hill, Brian Hill. I'm like, you, you're not even like gonna play like. I, but yeah, 
That's the Andy overall. Isabella. Andy Isabella was another one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree, man. Thank you for that breakdown. Again, we uh I just want to make sure we're up to terms here in the off season for uh for the casual fans who um, aren't aren't fully aware. So uh you know, Damon Harris again, uh, part of a five headed monster there in uh, New England. Benny Snell, the third string guy. Um we already mentioned James Conner and Jalen Samuels. Uh he would be another option, but it looks like the Steelers are almost guaranteed to draft another running back, so that's messy for everyone. Bryce Love, great running back out of Stanford. Um, could have an opportunity as a third down back in Washington with Chris Thompson pretty much toast, but there's six running backs out there in Washington, as we mentioned earlier as well. Darwin Thompson failed to capitalize on limited opportunity for the Chiefs, but if he were somehow the third down back, at least anybody as uh, getting opportunities with the Chiefs, I would love to stash on my bench. Wackwell Arm said you broke down uh, very well. Also, another thing to mention, of course, Leonard Fournette finally stayed healthy, but the first two years of his career was pretty rough, so he could certainly go down at any time. And Mike Weber is a deep stash coming out of Ohio State. But, um, you know, again, if Zeke were to go down, he would then be a third round of excellent uh, handcuff all of a sudden to Tony Pollard. So just want to make sure you guys are uh, aware of those names overall. So I'll break down all these names, man. Why don't you uh, rack in your brain really quick how you would rank these guys in different tiers, and uh, we'll get out of here for the running backs. So once again, we just covered Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, and Devin Singletary as far as the starters from last year coming into 2020. Those four guys, how do you rank them this year? Sanders, Jacobs, Montgomery, Singletary. Yeah, so Dynasty, I'd have uh, Jacobs, Sanders, as of right now, Singletary, Montgomery. Redraft, I'd probably have to go Jacobs, Montgomery, Sanders, Singletary. I dig it. Let's go with those handcuffs again really quick. Uh, Henderson, Pollard, Madison, and Hill. One more time, how would you rank them in Dynasty? Yeah, uh, Dynasty and Redraft are kind of similar rankings. So Pollard, hmm. Okay, actually not really. So Dynasty, I'd go Pollard, Madison, Henderson, Hill. Redraft, I'd go Pollard, Henderson, Madison, Hill. I like it. And any, uh, who are your two most attractive options with that third wave? Harris, Snell, Love, Darwin Thompson, Armstead, and Weber. I mean, Rockwell Armstead, easy number one for me. And I'm probably going to go Bryce Love. I think give him a year out of his injury. A lot of those running backs are on one to two year deals. And Bryce Love is a beast um, in college and now. So I think he'd probably be my, my dark shot out of those. Totally agree. Love it, man. As always, great breakdown. That wraps up the sophomore running backs uh, for coming into 2020. If you're listening on the podcast, please leave a rate and review for us. If you're right here on the YouTube channel, make sure to leave a subscribe and let us know which of those running backs in each tier, those three tiers that we just had, you're most excited about this year for the sophomores. Follow us on Instagram, fantasyfootball underscore Pod on Twitter at TCK underscore pod, and uh, on the Facebook group, the Fantasy or the Kansas Kids fantasy podcast and of course you can check out our website with all of our articles all of our teammates behind the scenes crushing it and uh, making it happen we got new rankings and lucas i'm going to have you uh preview what's coming up on the 26th again for each of these episodes so everybody is aware um but make sure you check out everything on our website that's tckpod.com tckpod.com lucas leave them something to chew on here coming up at the end of the month for sure so i've recently started kind of a um, another passion project, I guess you could say, in terms of not just fantasy, that is fantasy related, but basically what is its own content creation channel. The fantasy stock has changed on YouTube podcast. Go check that out. But I'm still going to be doing this. Ultimately, that is a portal for all independent fantasy football content creators, podcasts, YouTube uh, writers, whatever the case may be. 
we are releasing our rookie section, rookie part of our draft guide on April 26th for free to you guys. I'll plug the the actual website when we get it up and rolling. That's going to be free to show to show you know we know what we're talking about. We can deliver you good content. Just outside of us um, saying that on the podcast, um, we will see have written content, rankings, more breakdowns, charts, all that stuff. So go check that out when we get closer to it. Um, then we're excited to get that rolling. Great opportunity there too with that uh, with that preview on the draft guide is that you get to actually see our notes, the way that we break things down, these spreadsheets and whatnot, so that you can have them. So if you listen to a podcast and hear a nugget, but forget it and you know, two weeks, it happens. This way you have those note cards, you have things to dive back onto. And it's just a small preview of what's to come eventually for the Candlestick Kids draft guide coming up later this summer. A lot of that is TBD. And of course we have our rankings developing as the summer goes on and after the NFL draft. Always a pleasure, never a chore, my man. For Lucas Kaser, I'm Scott Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.